and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore 40k, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our Ducari from our Dark Angels, our Tyranids from our Tau, and our Craft Worlds from our Chaos Marines. We generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer 40k stuff? My name is Ben Crone Barber, and I know pretty much fuck all about 40k. With me is my co-host, Christopher Kralin Allen. Mm, hi. <laughs> Who knows that? <laughs> That's so strange. <laughs> Who knows absolutely fuck all about 40k? Not at all. And my dear brother Darren. Regular hello. <laughs> Who knows so much about 40k, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. Over the years, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. <laughs> I've, uh, in an attempt to get a sexier voice, I've given myself throat aids. <laughs> <laughs> it is not working. I have a, a a metal scraper, like a paint scraper, that I use for prying 3D prints off the print bed. And uh, I just kind of batted it against my lips, completely forgetting it's covered in isopropyl alcohol. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was just like... And now I am hammered. This is going to go very well today. Right, so are we doing... Are you doing another Dar's reluctant recap? Oh, I completely blanked on what we talked about last time. <laughs> so did I. What did we talk about last time? Name two, lads, name two of the ages that were discussed last record. The Age of Terror and the Dark Age of Tech. The Age of Strife and the Age of Darkness. So close that I'm going to give it to you. What was the name of the campaign... To reunify Terra. The unification was... Yeah, there Crowley, we go. You are on fire. Boom, bam, bam, bam. <coughs> the men of gold who made the men of iron. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, the men of gold who made the men of stone who made the men of iron. Oh, Men of Iron is what I said, It's yeah. like the sci-fi version of swallowed a fly and then a spider and then a cat. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the order it goes? Gold, stone, iron? Iron. Yeah. Iron butterfly. Iron, Ron, Ron. Iron, Ron. I, I wonder what you have to mine iron from. It eludes me. Iron ore? Oh, no, that's right. Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but from gold to stone. Yeah. It was just a title. It was just a name, Ben. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what was the what was the what what were the gold men all about? I can't remember who they were. The gold men were the uh the academics, the smart ah, guys, right. the kind of elites, yeah, yeah, yeah. the this the Freemasons, if you will, who kind of ruled the world. Or and hear me out here, they were uh, under the Lint Collective. The Lint Collective. That was a chocolate bunny joke. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> mm, don't get it. I thought you meant lint like the stuff that you get in your pocket. So did I. I was like, why is he talking about pocket lint? <laughs> yeah. What relevance is that to anything? And why didn't they just call it pocket fluff? Why did it, why did it have to be renamed lint? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. <laughs> and another thing. And another thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, to sum up last episode... We looked at the different ages from the uh, our own time frame through to the reunification war, the end of the reunification war. And it was great. And it was great. And it was reek good. 
It was really good. Uh, thank you for joining uh, the <laughs> recap episode of episode five. Okay, I've got some bonus questions for Ben. Oh, you've got a question for Ben. Let's go. I've got some bonus questions for Ben. I've got some bonus I love questions bonus questions. Because I didn't know how we were going to treat this recap, I basically uh, summarized some of the notes. You see, that's why I'm on, I'm on point. I'm on it like a pigeon on a chip. I am completely stepping back. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. Here we go. So the the emperor was an almighty psyker, part of what group of beings, Ben? What group of beings did the emperor belong oh, to? Oh, yeah. They were called, like, is it like the prescience or the... He is right. Think everlasting. The the forevers. <laughs> the perpetuals. You can have a the half, perpetuals. A half a point. With the perpetuals, right, yes, who could be killed, right. who could be killed but could also resurrect. Right. And during the early days, I think this was probably the Age of Terror, probably, the Emperor had an elite kill squad, like an SAS elite team of uh, warriors. What were they called? Were they the Thunder Warriors? The Thunder Warriors! Mad Max style Yeah, man. But then they were exiled and killed after the Emperor, I think, had made use of them, didn't he? After after, uh, he'd uh, got what he needed. He uh, He was like, I'm done with you guys. Yes. Man, do do I even need to be here? This is awesome. I know, right? 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 It's working, Darren. You're a good teacher. Is that it? Are you, are you bonus questioned out? I'm out. I'm spent. I'm done. I'm out of here. That was I'm... good. I enjoyed that bonus. Kral, cool. I, All right. No, not Kral. The other Kral. Kral 2. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah? I was thinking the other day, right? So it's the 40th millennium. Yeah. And that's based on our timeline. Yeah. Which, as of this recording, is 2023. Now, 2023 is the 2023rd year since the birth of christ or the death of christ i always forget which one is death of christ oh Sorry, my death god of christ. <laughs> death birth of christ, christ you do oh, okay birth. okay <laughs> uh, dear. okay so the so that was the birth of christ the emperor is like anti-religion isn't he yes He's anti uh, so isn't it not a bit odd that the 40th you know the the calendar that they're using is based on a christian or catholic calendar yeah, it's um, it's really just kind of running with the, you know, the difference between BC and BCE. So it's you know, before Christ or before Common Era. Right. Someone has decided that the Common Era starts that coincidentally happens at the same time as the birth of JC. Uh, and I so, see. so we're in terms of the calendar of the imperial calendar. The way it works is it's three digits and then a full stop and then the millennium that you're in. Like an IP address. Yeah. 192 dash. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't don't give your bank account. Don't give your bank account. <laughs> so we're in 023.m3 because we're in the third mm. millennium. We're in the 23rd year of the third millennium. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, so he's kind of he's repurposed the calendar, as it were, and just I mean I'm guessing enough time has elapsed that nobody would remember that that was a Christian calendar. Yeah, yeah, right. Effectively, yeah. And I mean, and there, there's so many gaps in the lore for the early years that we could be it could actually be the 45th millennium. 
or it could be the 38th millennium. We, mm. you know, oh, I see. Yeah, the, yeah. There's missing time, missing uh, periods of history within the Imperium, not only on a planet by planet basis, but one could argue that there are, in fact, galactic level gaps of time. Somebody's got to help Games Workshop then. They have not named this franchise properly. You've missed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Warhammer Friend Hound Thousand, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and when you see it on the screen, it's just Warhammer and they just blur. It's just a, yeah. a number all blurred and smushed together. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like someone being interrupted in speech. Warhammer. Hmm? Hmm? thousand yes Uh, (laughs) what was that (laughs) so as chris highlighted there in his questions at the end of the unification war the emperor ordered the death of all of the thunder warriors Uh, and really for a a handful of reasons that happened so it happened at the battle of ararat so Mount Ararat, that was where the site of the, the kind of the death of the Thunder Warriors uh, as a organizational regiment, but also as individuals. How many were there, roughly? There were tens of thousands. Wow. These were, right. I can't forget, or I can't remember which one of you to mention it. They were like SES grade warriors, but regiments upon regiments of them. So you're 50, 60,000 at least. Right, okay. You know, there's some argument that it could be a hundred odd thousand. These were genetically augmented humans. So these were human males pumped full of uh, steroids, possibly isopropyl alcohol as well. Who knows? (laughs) And Huel. Yeah, and Huel. (laughs) Other protein supplements are available. (laughs) There's just nothing solid in them. It's just all liquids. (laughs) No, this is both breakfast and lunch. Shut up, you jock. (laughs) Why why would you delete... Yeah, why would you delete a... Uh, tens of thousands of superior warriors with the view that you're just going to have to train and augment another bunch anyway. Was it like a major marketing rebrand? It's like, I can't just change your name from Thunder Warriors to Ultramarines. I'm going to kill you all. That's the logical thing to do here. As I said, there's a handful of reasons. Firstly, they are genetically unstable. It's a constant battle to keep them sane and rational and you know, as an effective fighting force, they go berserk. They do the old kind of, you know, the Viking uh, berserker style warrior that just leaps in with disregard for both themselves and their, their comrades. Mm. No, oh, apparently that's it. <laughs> you said, you said there were a handful of reasons. Yeah, the, I was like, the other okay. kind of big, all reason, one of them, I was a handful of reasons. Okay. The two reasons one was, <laughs> that's a small handful. That could be a small handful. <laughs> <laughs> the other kind of more philosophical reason really ties into a truism from human history is to be able to affect change on that scale, you have to have people that are prepared to do the most unspeakable things, to create a peaceful, unified world under one authoritarian, you know, through a certain prism, perhaps benevolent, but certainly authoritarian Mm. rule that new society can't include the psychopathic pipe wielding people that needed to bring about the context for which that society could exist they they essentially then were the last 
remnant of the world that they had destroyed. Yeah, exactly right. They had become, or were, they were designed to be, the most barbaric, the most bloodthirsty of mm. the bloodthirsty troops that were out there. So there was no place for them in this new world. And certainly they had, as I alluded to there, they had been designed with a specific purpose, and that purpose was done. That's interesting. That's kind of like the um, the storyline from the film Swordfish, where John Travolta basically steals a load of money in order to buy nukes and armaments so that he can fight terrorism with terrorism. Yeah. And if he, the idea becoming that if he becomes the worst terrorist, then nobody would ever engage and no one would think about engaging in terrorism. Yeah, absolutely. It's that kind of fire with fire. Exactly sort of approach, right. Isn't it? I was going to go with a less highbrow example, Moses. <laughs> <laughs> Moses had to do all the things that were done to get the Israelites to be free from Egypt in the, in the biblical story. Mm. But he himself could not set foot in the promised land. He, was, it, it, he wasn't allowed. At the Battle of Ararat, the emperor gets his custodies, his bodyguard, his the elite of the elite troops, uh, to cull the Thunder Warriors, and they get rid of almost all of them. There's a, a wow. few escape, including some of the leaders, which is a, an issue that rears its head again in the future. So the emperor now is in charge of Terra. He's he's the the single authority in the whole of the planet Earth. So I thought it might be good just to have a, a, a bit of bants about the Emperor. And I should at this stage say, like, there is so much lore. We would never be able to cover all aspects of the lore for all characters in the introduction. Certainly we're going to dive into it once we're past the introduction. So we're going to summarize. That's effectively what the next 20-odd episodes are going to be, or be summaries. So there will be some light spoilers. There will be some aspects of characters and events that will be ignored or um, trivialized, but we will get to everything. So the Emperor is now in charge of the whole of the planet Earth. So I thought it would be good to have a little reflection on his uh, character. As Chris said in his bonus questions, the Emperor is one of a handful of what's called perpetuals. These are people who are functionally immortal. They can be physically killed, but in general, they tend to re-manifest. That kind of mechanism, it's always made me ask a question in terms of like regeneration. If you get your hand cut off and you grow another hand, does the hand that got cut off grow another body? Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you bisected the emperor right down the middle, would you have two emperors? Would you have is it like an earthworm? Interesting. Hang on, we'll ask the questions, Darren. I beg, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah, if we yeah. were to split the yeah, emperor... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but is it not? They're, they're functionally immortal in as much as like they can be harmed and then killed, but then they come back in another form once that body is dead. It's so, is, so is that the case? Is it just that they're, they reincarnate once their physical body is dead, or do they actually regrow limbs that have been lost i think they regrow limbs they they must do because i mean i'm saying that they they might manifest in a new body and then absorb you know they take over that 
the consciousness that's in that body and their body changes to represent them as an individual. Right, okay. What happens if you pour a vat of acid on them or put them into a vat of acid or fire them into the sun or squish them, puree them? <laughs> You've thought about this, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> How can I get rid of a body? <laughs> I'd love to see your search history. Like, <laughs> So these perpetuals come into existence at odd points throughout history. The emperor is one of the earliest. He comes into existence within aspects of the lore around about the uh, 8th millennium BCE, before the comedy uh, era. Okay. Before the comedy era. Before the comedy era, which is not this. <laughs> <laughs> What's, what is kind of alluded to is that there is a vast kind of um, collective of shamans in Anatolia, shame, in, shame. In, <laughs> man, man. <laughs> there is a, a vast collective of shamans in what is now Turkey that sense the growing power of chaos of the primordial enemy of the universe, and so decide to try and create a super being. So they all take a kind of poison-laced ayahuasca-style concoction, which they kind of meld psychically with each other and then focus all of their energy and personality onto the unborn child of a pregnant woman that sat in the middle wow. uh, of these vast concentric rings. Like a mad Who was the father? Well... It's not really mentioned, although it is alluded to. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, fine. He's born in what will become a Hittite village over uh, millennia. The culture will develop into or evolve into the Hittites. And there's sort of biblical connotations to his uh, early childhood because his father is killed by his uncle, which kind of goes through to the Cain and Abel story. But it's one of the first instances where the emperor manifests psychic powers. So he walks up to his uncle and stops his heart with just the, the kind of wishing it to be so. And from that point, really, he grows, he matures. How old was he when he did the whole heart stopping? I have no idea. He could have been three. He could have been 33. Wow, okay. But definitely not 24. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a history kind of rolls forward. There's a, a kind of a, a documented myth where the emperor is the one who orders the kind of construction of the Tower of Babylon, the Tower of Babel. And we, we'll discuss what it means. He actually, in the story, he actually comes across the, the tower, not literally. <laughs> uh, and the tower was covered in kind of chaos runes called Enuncia. So, which is the kind of primordial language of the universe. Uh, it's the, uh, for want of a better analogy, it's the voice of God or the voice of creation, but it's the uh, creation with no real purpose, if you see what I mean. There's no guiding principle. It's just. It wasn't just early graffiti and early Banksy that people just misread. Well, Banksy's so mysterious, it might have been. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but of course, that tower comes crumbling down and. So history kind of moves on, uh, rolls forward. 
And the emperor really is a presence that haunts history. He comes up as a great military leader or a great scientist or a religious figure and kind of guides humanity with the kind of soft touch towards innovation. And uh, at that stage, really, he's looking to get a secular kind of society going, uh, a global secular society, which is one of the reasons why the Unification War was so important. Mr. Ben? Does he look different in every one of these roles? He does. No one knows what the... I was about to say the president. No one knows what the (laughs) emperor actually looks like. One assumes he is kind of Semitic in facial structure, in his uh, physiology. What does Semitic mean? uh, From the Middle East, from that region. Oh, okay. Right, 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 right. But he's not, so it's not just the same guy kind of appearing periodically. No. This military officer looks awfully like that religious dude that I saw the other day. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's able to project, psychically project a new image. He controls how he's viewed by other Ah, people. That's cool. So in all the artwork in Warhammer, uh, he basically, he either looks like a skeleton because he's on the golden throne or he looks like white Jesus. Right, okay. A.K.A. Chad Kruger. <laughs> Chad Kruger. Never made it as a wise man. Never made it as a poor man either. <laughs> Short stint as a Canadian alt grunge band. Yeah. That, that didn't work out. I'll rule the world instead. Fuck it, I'll rule the galaxy. Yeah, he, he discovered that he wasn't quite able to direct humanity in the way he thought he would be as a Canadian <laughs> punk band. <laughs> Punk man, <laughs> is it part? Sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't hear what Carl said. <laughs> I remember talking to you about that famous Rastafari band, Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say a grunge band originally, Chris? Did yeah. I? Grungy, alternative, rocky. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, grungy. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, retract yeah, yeah, my yeah, punk yeah, statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, question. In, in the law, the emperor was born very soon after the common, the start of the common era BC, before Christ, however you want to define it. Well, 8,000 years before what we would consider the birth of Christ, yeah. 8,000 years before, right. Yeah. So if you think, of, so right at the beginning of uh, Homo sapiens as we know them to be modern man, basically, he's been around since almost the, uh, the advent of the common person. Of modern humans, right? yeah. Exactly, and yeah. in the law, he's a, he's around today. So in the year twenty twenty three, or whenever we happen to release this episode, he's around yeah. now, doing his thing, tinkering in the background, waiting for his moment. He's not he's not always tinkering in the background. Sometimes he is a, like a, a world renowned scientist or leader or something. Or band like that. member. Yeah, yeah. For all we know, Boris Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has that for terrible? Oh, well, I think he probably find that he he wasn't able to guide humanity quite as much as he thought he was in that role either. Well, see, this is this is if you're functionally immortal, all of your plans take on a a longer view. Mm. So you could do mm. something that's negative now that will trigger innovation that will create something beneficial in a hundred years or five hundred years. Meaning that Liz Truss's short political career was undoubtedly. Her comeback is gonna be off the scale. Her, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, it's going to involve space marines, man. It's going to be off the hook. Our next next campaign. So I I forget my experience reading Sapiens, but is that how long there was between 
uh, the birth of Christ and the start of Homo sapiens was 8,000 years. In my life, it, the dates keep getting older. Right, okay, they keep pushing it back. Yeah. It's, so what's the kind of current? What, what's the current? I think, I think basically 10,000 years is, is the kind of current understanding of how long the modern Homo sapiens, the yeah, humans I mean, have been around, humans as we know it, as we, you know. You get a Homo sapien from today or ten thousand years ago and put them in the same room, or you, they were born together. It, you know what I mean? They would they would evolve and, <laughs> and develop at the same kind of. This is a Tamagotchi. Look at them freak out. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pogs. Uh, Pogs. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, there are archaeological sites for kind of advanced, relatively advanced. Stone Age, so either megalithic, yeah, megalithic structures going back to twelve thousand BC. Right. Okay. So right. you know the dates keep getting it's a pushed hazy back. Line. Yeah, yeah, it's a hazy line. But it's eight thousand BC is roughly when we think it's when the emperor. Yeah, he was born. Yeah, he right, was born. Okay. As he's taken on some of the more popular uh, or more more renowned characters, for instance, he was Alexander the Great. Alexander mm. the Great was, in fact, the emperor. Knew it. Knew tried it. Tried to unify the, the kind of world under his uh, leadership. Can you think of anyone else he might have been? Genghis Khan. Could have been Genghis Khan. Although the, uh, there's an interesting tidbit of information about Genghis Khan, which we'll cover in like 10 episodes. Carry on. Uh, how about Julius Caesar? Could be. Or the Roman emperors. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, 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 are you yeah, just yeah. quizzing us? You know, there is no answer to this. You're just like... I mean, I, I found out one answer recently, and it, it just it made me sit down and laugh. Was it Winston Churchill? No. Come on. <laughs> you know. It was Jesus. Oh. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> that was a, a, It's a bold move by the Games Workshop writers. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> He was trying to create a sect sectarian. Is that the correct term? A sectarian society? No, a secular, secular secular society by starting a religion. <laughs> Suborning a religion, I suspect. I suspect. Anyway, so over the millennia, the emperor influences the kind of uh, beneficial innovation of humanity. As I said, not always immediately beneficial, but heading towards some noble end where humanity can survive. So at the end of the Unification War, he's in the best position he's ever been in. He's in control of the entire planet. He has his custodes, these great gold armor-clad bodyguards. He's just dispensed with the Thunder Warriors for the reasons we discussed, the uh, genetic instability and their kind of... Um, it, the inappropriateness of having them as uh, peacekeeping forces. What was I thinking? <laughs> so the genetic instability was the, a big reason. It was perhaps the main reason. So he started something called the Primarch Project. This was an effort to try and create 20 military leaders that could serve not only as effective generals uh, and war masters, aiding in the reconquest of the universe, but also to have some immunity from the forces of chaos, the primordial evil, which he has become aware of. So from it, this kind of Primarch project overlapped the tail end of the unification war to some extent with the uh, reunification of Terra. 
while his scientists were working on this, he actually went out into the universe to try and pin down various resources and knowledge that would allow him to better combat the forces of chaos, the forces of disruption, the powers of the warp. Mr. Chris. Did you just say the Emperor then travelled the galaxy to try and find resources? How did yes. he travel at this point? We're going to cover that shortly. Ah, oh, you saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> so he successfully got all the knowledge together and they created ostensibly 20 Primarchs. The number wasn't exactly 20. We'll cover that in the future. As these fetuses began to mature into infants, it's really what they were trying to do is create diluted clones of the emperor. So these were beings that had his were based on his genetic structure, but tweaked in certain ways. He worked with, as I say, scientists. He also worked with other perpetuals. And none of them really agreed with each other as to the best way forward. Some perpetuals preferred to operate in the background. Some, like the Emperor, wanted to take a leadership role and a, a kind of guide the evolution of humanity, especially as they foresaw that humans would become a psychic race, much like the Eldar had become. So they'd be able to manifest psychic powers as, as easy as breathing. Suddenly, treachery and disaster. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Le gasp. Uh, Nagash. What? A, uh, <laughs> a chaos portal it opens up in the very laboratory that has the kind of childlike primarchs in their tubes, and they all disappear. Shit. The, the tubes and the... Uh, imagine referring... The primarchs, the complete tubes. Uh, no. <laughs> The, the containers, the canisters of these. Yes, the incubators. That's the word I was looking for, man. The incubators are scattered to planets across the galaxy. Common wisdom says that this was done by the chaos gods, these malign warp-based entities that focus on certain aspects of human nature within a negative kind of framework. They saw the threat that these primarchs posed, so scattered them. Uh, as I say, throughout the galaxy. Why do you think they didn't just kill them? It's a great question. I think it's because they were able to influence some of those Primarchs. They were able to corrupt right. them in some fashion, introduce a character flaw or a physical flaw. I mean, for instance, okay. the Primarch of the Blood Angels Legion, Sanguinius, is seen as this... He's a, a, a perfect-looking being, like a you know, of the enlightenment of the kind of Raphael kind of uh, stature, a, a kind of yeah. classically uh, idealized male form, but he has two huge wings as opposed to just having one wing, which would be weird. Uh, he has <laughs> a pair of wings, Flying which I believe the is the phrase. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's other kind of, uh, uh, corruptions of the physical form. For instance, Magnus the Red, who is the Primarch of the Thousand Suns. It's actually region. green. <laughs> <laughs> he's a god. No, he's an emo. Have you got green hair? Emo? Punk? Who knows? He has one eye. Originally envisaged... He has one eye, right. Okay. Yeah, as kind of a, a cyclops with the eye right in the middle of his head. Again, I keep doing things with my hands. This is not a visual medium, Darren. He has an eye in the middle of his head. 
that's how he was portrayed originally in the in the the lore and in uh, the epic gaming system, which is where you first saw the kind of demon primarchs. Oh, I've revealed the thing. <gasps> but in uh, the kind of current Horus Heresy lore and sculptures, he's missing one eye. Right. Okay. In terms of was he also red? Uh, like, why was he called Magnus the Red? He, he was ginger. ginger. Yeah. Was he ginger? He was a ganger. <laughs> a ganger Primarch. Excellent. Or maybe it's it's it, it's red, but like well red. <laughs> <laughs> he just likes books. We should go a long way to explain because he is a sorcerer. <laughs> but 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 he doesn't like you know he doesn't like particularly challenging books, which is why he's not Magnus the Well Read. Just like <laughs> shit, is he? Just like it's the kind of books I read. Magnus the <laughs> the graphic novel enthusiast. <laughs> Hand me my Mills and Boone tome, yeah. <laughs> showing my age there. So <laughs> these Primarchs landed on various planets, but it informed not only how they developed culturally, but how the legions that they would come to be in charge of would be developed. Uh, I'll give you two quick examples. Mortarion, who's the Primarch of the Death Guard Legion, landed on a planet called Barbarus, which is this kind of uh, sickly fog-covered planet ruled by aliens that are in effect vampires. And so he was, because the Primarchs, develop rapidly so they'll come to full maturity within a, a, a handful of years i'm using the word handful a lot in this episode it, they come to maturity over a certain period of rapid time but they are they just are a sponge for information and for tactics and for knowledge and are f- uh, like physically impressive and, and superhuman almost you've effectively released 20 uh Superman into the galaxy. The, the, the guy who landed on that barbarous planet, he would be the alien, by the way. Those alien vampires would be native <laughs> to it. Just 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 FYI. Chris Allen for the people. And I'm done. <laughs> that that <laughs> I'm out of here. That is that is pedantry of an excellent form, and I'll allow it. It's really, really good. Um, yeah, he was, in fact, adopted by one of these kind of vampiric aliens. So he became a dour figure. His nature was uh, incredibly um, uh, laconic. He didn't really speak. He uh, valued endurance over anything else. And that came to be reflected in the legion that he was put in charge of. It's a very infantry-heavy legion. Uh, the focus was on individual capacity and the power to endure any kind of uh, situation using whatever was at hand that's one example another would be the space wolves lehman russ the primarch of the space wolves landed on the planet fenris which is if you think valhalla could be not valhalla if you think ragnarok could be a planet it was that a constant grinding of glaciers and ice, and you've got krakens and worms, and you've got these Fenrisian wolves, which are wolves the size of Shetland horses. Nice. No, Shire horses. Awesome. Yeah, wolves the size of Shetland yeah, ponies are just wolves. Shetland ponies are tiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, adorable. You've got wolves the Shetland size of cats. <laughs> <laughs> you've got wolves slightly larger than ordinary wolves. <laughs> they sound terrifying on a scale of about 1.1 1. 1. 1 of 1.1 1. 1. but that one. that whole you know fenris being a death world 
the whole culture is a struggle and fight for survival in the same vein as Vikings. These are really the, the kind of a planet of Norse, of medieval Norse people. So Lehman Russ very much developed in the vein of the like Icelandic sagas or the Norwegian sagas that we would be familiar in the fjords. with ourselves. In the fjords. <laughs> That's what he named his giant cat. <laughs> hey, fjord. <laughs> um, so their characters developed on these planets as they yes. grew rapidly. Where did their names come from? Did the emperor name were the names on the tanks when the chaos he had a name badge? He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was sewn onto the tag on the back of his t-shirt. Like. <laughs> they they were named by the cultures that raised them, right? So, like by their adoptive family. In in many instances, they uh, the pri- each primarch was adopted by a father figure or a family. Right. A collective. Another Primarch would be, for instance, Jagati Khan, who's who's the Primarch of your legion, uh, Ben, the White, White Scars. Scars. He landed on the planet Mongolia. That's not what it's called, <laughs> but that's but what that is. that was the culture that informed his sensibilities, uh, his ethics, his way of learning, his way of making war. That's cool. So that's these cool. Primarchs scattered throughout the universe. Fortunately, fortunately the scientists had kept genetic samples of all of these primarchs and began mass-producing even more dilute troops. Now, these troops, which would come to be the Legiones Astartes, or Space Marines, which is the kind of iconic troop type uh, within Warhammer 40k, would come to replace the Thunder Warriors, and there, there's a, a great story that deals with the uh, with a palace coup, where the last of the Thunder Warriors try to seize the Imperial Palace on Terra, which is in the Himalayas. In fact, it's not in the Himalayas; it's on the Himalayas, and in the Himalayas, I suppose, <laughs> and around the Himalayas, and around the Himalayas. <laughs> it, uh, a lot of it's actually adjacent to the Himalayas. Yeah, uh, next to <laughs> some of it's under. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's bits of it under. They've got platforms. Is any of it above? That, oh. Yes, they've got. I was literally just about to say they've got <laughs> platforms that hover in the atmosphere above the Imperial Palace. Really, it makes me think that the Himalayan mountains were up to no good and they needed to get them in hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so these space marines, as they were developed, as they evolved, corrected every problem that the Thunder Warriors had. The uh, space marines were given 18 implants, 18 biological implants in their body that, uh, for instance, uh, they were given a second heart. They were given specialized saliva glands, which means that they could e- they could spit poison, but also produce acid What in their gut. They've got guns. Why do they need to spit well, poison? Well, what happens if your gun is taken from you? Or your arms are blown Take off. Take your helmet off and spit <laughs> poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair point. Yeah. They have a, a gland uh, in their um, in their stomach that allows them to draw genetic memory out of material that they wow. eat. And there's one kind of famous instance in one of the very first novels from 40k. It's sim- I think it's simply called Space Marine, where a group of uh, space marines kill and eat the brains of the crew of a Titan, one of these giant uh, war machines that we talked about. And because the last thing on the mind of these, uh, of the crew was how to work the Titan, 
the Space Marines instantly understood how to work the Titan. And so basically, they Jason borned a whole Titan and were able to uh, continue with their mission. But they have a vast array, well, maybe vast, 19 of these implants, but they're also given... <laughs> Hold on, you said 18. <laughs> you did say 18. Oh, did I? I beg your pardon. Well, the 19th is the black carapace, and that's a layer of skin under their own skin that uh, provides neural links between themselves and their armor so that they're able to use their armor without thinking. It's There's no... Right, okay. it, it's autonomous no not autonomous it's like a second skin as it were yes so exactly. it's 18 internal organs 18 well they're all internal but 18 kind of glands Inter- and okay. one right. kind of uh, suit skin second suit. skin 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 please don't say the word skin suit again <laughs> <laughs> is that one word or is that two words I'm not sure. <laughs> so as i say these the development of the space marine legions overlaps with the end of the unification war and during this palace coup where the remaining thunder warriors tries to seize control of not only the palace but the emperor effectively to kind of beg him to save them because they were degrading because they didn't have the kind of balanced physiology of the space marines. Superiority complex, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> the coup obviously failed, uh, which is a thing you never want to hear on a Scottish farm. Coup <laughs> 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 down. We have a coup down. <laughs> uh, and the remaining Thunder Warriors or the vast majority of the remaining Thunder Warriors, were uh, wiped out, not only by the custodies and loyal human troops of the kind of the Terra uh, Empire, but also by thousands of these brand spanking new space marines from the First Legion, from the Dark Angels. And so that was really the first large-scale action that space marines saw, was putting down their forebears effectively they're wow. the, the original versions of these troops who is the dark angel primarch uh lion l johnson ah, okay yes and right so it's l johnson is el apostrophe johnson now in rogue trader it's actually written as lionel johnson <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. just <laughs> I, I think it, it was just a stroke of luck that they used the name Lionel because then they were able to go Lion L. Yeah, it's clearly like a scribe. It's a transcription error. <laughs> and he's referred to as the Lion. <laughs> uh, Lionel just doesn't sound yeah. like a superhuman warrior. I'm, I'm still, I'm still stewing on the fact that they can spit venom like. Yeah, they the, the, yeah, just at like the design stage of these space moves. Like, well, we need to make a new, improved super trooper. The Thunder Warriors had a few flaws. Here's an error. okay, cool. Right, they're going to have this second skin thing. They're going to be able to a new heart genetically <laughs> absorb the memory, absorb the genetic memory of anything they and they can spit venom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right, Jeff. All right, Jeff. It was like okay, calm one down. One of the one of the development team brought in there. It was like um, bring your kids to work day. And they brought yeah, in, yeah. and the ten-year-old was able to sit in on that that design meeting. It's like, <laughs> it's like, do you want to add anything to it? Do you want to contribute? Yeah, and they can yeah. spit venom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. All right. Okay. All right. We'll 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 we'll, we'll pencil start... it. In. We'll pencil it. We'll, we'll see if we can incorporate it. I mean, I was going to make them invulnerable, but that's cool too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I have a question about the hierarchy of the of the custodies, the Primarchs, and the Space Marines, and then you know in relation to the Emperors. So you said so. I, I asked you a couple of episodes ago, or a few episodes ago, why when he made the custodies more powerful than the Space Marines, did he not just make an entire or you know many legions of the custodies and you said obviously if you have a personal bodyguard you want them to be more powerful than you know the the legions that you're creating what was his thinking with regards to the primarchs because the primarchs are somewhere between the emperor and the custodies are they not in terms of their power but their stated purpose is as generals as leaders and from them they would create you know really what the primarch project represented was the to- the total solution to the issues that they face with the thunder warriors so it solved every problem right. but it took so much so many resources for each one i mean we're talking hundreds of years of development and implementation and trials you can't really do you can't create an army of these guys i mean you could but it would take thousands of years sorry no i meant more like in terms of you know the so so he creates the custodies who kill the thunder warriors then he no oh he, sorry sorry okay he wanted a replacement for the thunder warriors the primark project was to provide the templated solution for that and from the primark project they would be able to dilute that down further to have, you know, manageable foot troops. Yeah. But who are nonetheless the best warriors humanity has ever had to offer at yeah. scale. So yeah. the custodies are to the emperor what the space marines are to the primarchs. They're lesser sons yes. of, of, my, of an my... impressive lineage go ahead but what i was saying is did he you know he he obviously wanted when i asked you about this uh, a few episodes ago you said he obviously wanted to have his personal guards more powerful than the masses of his other the rest of his force so yes. that of it there was obviously some level of protection where was his protection against the primarchs because the primarchs were obviously more powerful than the custodies do you see what i mean or did he just think because they're genetic sons, it would be family and it was unlikely that that would ever happen? I, I perhaps have omitted something in the kind of development of not only space marines, but also uh, Primarchs. They go they through... had an off switch. <laughs> <laughs> it's right next to the switch that makes their arm and leg pop, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Moving part button. <laughs> yes, so they went through hypnotherapy. So, uh, or hypno indoctrination, it's actually called. <laughs> they had multiple <laughs> suggestions put into their into their uh, psyche, predisposing them to loving their father, who incidentally didn't love them at all. To him, they were merely tools, as in things to use rather than douchebags. Although some of them were douchebags, mm, mm. can be both. <laughs> but he came across as. A loving father. That was that was that was the image that he put forward to them, was it not? Yes, uh, cynically, yeah. cynically put forward, right, okay. so that they would uh, meet the needs that he had designed them for. But yeah, daddy issues. His, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get a, a good. Uh, I was about to say handful again. You get a good group of custodians together. They'll 
they might not be able to take down a Primark. They'll certainly slow it down long enough so that you can get a defense laser pointed at it and, you know, evaporate right, it. Okay. But wow. the custodies are his kind of ace card in terms of uh, not only protection, but projection of power, projection of authority. So size-wise, how do these all relate? Space Marines, in general, are somewhere between 6, 5 to 8 feet. Right. On an individual basis. The average is 7 foot. And then clad in super-duper armor and so forth. The uh, custodes are about a foot higher and a foot wider in bulk. Wow. Primarchs are roughly one and a half times the size of uh, Space Marines. So, you know, 9, 10 feet. And the Emperor himself is taller still, or at least projects as taller still, because right, yeah, he yeah. may actually look like Danny DeVito. <laughs> 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 given, uh, the, given the time and place of his birth. Yeah, it's the Wizard of Oz style. He's just in a tidy little room, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I also like to think that the Emperor made one last kind of jab at the Primarchs like well if I can't have them the last thing I'm going to do amongst all this other stuff and create my own custodies is I'm going to associate their name Primark with a fast fashion brand (laughs) in your face devalued your brand instantly Uh, summon my children summon the (laughs) (laughs) H&M Hi, I'm Rapid Randy at Rapid Randy's Benrizian Ski Hire up here at Thunder Mountain Snow Resort. You might remember me from my previous venture, Cripple Peak. Needless to say, things got a little airy over there. There were a lot of undead, a lot of skaven, so I upped sticks and I moved to the ice world of Benriz. Admittedly, my estate agent did not tell me it is a death world. Anyway, we got everything that you need to ski. We got poles and ward staffs, we got planks of plasteel, we got jets from jump packs, at least I think that's what they are. We got gauntlets, we got fingers from power claws, we got everything that you need. Almost certainly all at low, low prices, so get here, get it quick, we're very busy. At least two moon rotations, sometimes seven. And oh, oh man, you, you're just gonna have the best time. Thunder Mountain Ski Resort is, it's, it's just really great. It's got ice, it's got glaciers, it's got wolves the size of cats, it's got wolves the size of slightly bigger wolves. It's got worms fighting Kraken like non-stop, especially during mating season. It's got very little snow, but it does have gravity, and we got everything that you need to get down the mountain safely, probably. So come see us at Rapid Randy's Fenrisian Ski Hire. I'm Rapid Randy. I do not know what I'm selling. I do not know how I ended up here. It's all a complete mystery to me, and I am terrified. But if you're not and you want to ski, I'm your man. All right, goodbye. The Space Marine Legions began being built up, and this was absent of the influence of their Primarch. So they're very much in the Romanesque model of an army. So they're referred to as legions. All of the positions had Latin names. Now, because he had already secured Terra, the reason the Emperor needed the Space Marines, or the uh, the Astartes Legions, was that he wanted to, well, the clue's in the name, he wanted to conquer space, not build lots of marines. (laughs) You know, and so they started the kind of solar conquest. So they, you know, took over Luna, as was, and it was from there, really, that they got uh, a lot of information on cloning and genetic enhancements, which were folded into 
the ongoing kind of development and refinement of space marine technology. At that stage, an adult male could become a space marine. The capacity to do that has since been lost. In the 40K, in present day 40K, the only people that can become space marines are adolescent males, usually somewhere 10 to 12 years old. And they have all these organs and uh, implanted in them. And over a decade, they turn into the kind of physical manifestation uh, of space marines. But at that time, it was really, it was like, what should we call it? It was like a Lunchables. You just uh, pop the lid off, assemble your sandwich, and you're good to go. <laughs> That's effectively what it was. There's a bit more to it. They might have had some kind of sauce, but that was it. Um, <laughs> so the emperor spent time building this huge army, these 20 legions, because he wanted to engage in what's called the Great Crusade. He had unified Terra. He then wanted to unify the solar system and then the whole galaxy under one imperium of man. Mr. Ben. Did he know at that point that his Primarchs had been distributed to the other planets? Well, I mean, ask yourself this question. If you walk down into your living room and all your furniture is gone, are you going to notice? <laughs> yeah, your finest works. <laughs> your, your masterpiece. You're like your raison d'etre. If I if I walked down into the living room and all my furniture had gone, I wouldn't instantly be like, "My furniture's on another planet." <laughs> I'd be like, "Someone's stolen my fucking furniture, man!" Search the local area immediately. Well, that's what he did. But the local area ah. is a galaxy. You've got to remember, he already knows about chaos, and chaos already know about him. And right. it was on a planet called Molek, I think, where the Emperor kind of entered into a power-sharing agreement with the Chaos Gods to gain knowledge. Oi, oi. In return, he would do certain things. They gave him the knowledge first, and he went, see you, chumps, and left. So that's why they're, uh, they're gung-ho for his Danny DeVito-esque self. Wow, right, okay. Mm, and did that I happen see. when he went out into the galaxy? Yes. Looking for information. Part of the thing right. that was that was yeah. going on. Now, you raise a point I had completely forgotten. There is some evidence that he went on kind of uh, specific warp travel uh, to various locations. But what really happened was he discovered, or what what also happens is that he discovers within the deserts of uh, Asia, a thing called the Golden Throne. Now, the lore is unclear as to whether he discovered it, rediscovered it, or made it. But what this thing does, it sits on top of an entry to the webway on Terra itself. Uh, as listeners will recall, the webway is this, well, web of uh, wormholes uh, and, and kind of tunnels through warp space, allowing safe travel over massive distances. And, you know, since he was able to get in, really the Chaos Gods have tried to use this as a way to get at the Emperor and get at Terra. So there's what's referred to as the war in the webway. And that's what's... www. <laughs> <laughs> Webwaywar.com. 
www.wwe.org. <laughs> and don't even get me started on when WWE and WWF got into the webway because the website was insane. <laughs> it was insane. dot. <laughs> Fun fact, World Wide Web is quicker to say than its acronym, WWWD. Yeah. WWW do 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 do. Yeah. Well, my web. And I'm done. (laughs) And and I'm spent. I enjoyed that. (laughs) If you want any more information, please deal with my custodies. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, his goal is to reconquer the galaxy. Now, as you will both no doubt recall, warp travel is incredibly dangerous, nigh on impossible, because of the warp storms that are just washing over the uh, universe. These warp storms are caused by the degradation, the psychic degradation of the Eldar race. You ever seen uh, Event Horizon, that movie? Mm -hmm. Do you know that there's kind of an orgy of violence scene in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of that, but uh, uh, an interplanetary culture doing that all at the same time, all at once. Mm, why you know because it turns me on to see you confused chris uh the (laughs) (laughs) but this psychic disruption has caused these warp storms in a moment these warp storms disappear completely uh, and it's like a calm sea within the stars psychically speaking of course that is brought about by the birth of the chaos god slanesh now We've not really talked about the Chaos Gods in any great detail, but Slanesh is the manifestation of an entire race's desire for excess uh, in all its forms. In any connotation that you can use the word excess, that's what manifested as an entity. One extra Malteser than you should. Yeah. Torturing somebody. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's, it's the, she is the god of the Wafferthin Mint. Um, mm, mm, he or mm. she they or they or they their birth sucked all that roiling kind of psychic energy back in and manifested as an individual consciousness albeit one that is effectively a god within the warp and calmed the warp across the galaxy thus allowing humans to use warp travel once again if you recall they had it had been invented it was possible but it was incredibly dangerous because of the uh, nature of the warp storms can i just um clarify that so um slanesh the creation of slanesh allowed the safer passage through the webway by humans slanesh what was like a sponge absorbed all that hedonistic excess which was for whatever reason loose and wild and just causing all sorts of yeah like it was just raw energy. problems yeah. yes it was but, it was yeah it was potentiality that's what it was it was kind of sensual potentiality washing over the entire galaxy and as it reached a tipping point a kind of critical mass uh, very much like a black hole it sucked all of that energy back in 
allowing a malevolent consciousness to be uh, brought to bear. Now, this happened... There is a lot of great terminology being used here. I'm going to get some of this down on my Tinder profile. Sensual, <laughs> what was that? Sensual potentiality. Sensual like, potentiality. I was like, Darren, surely that is a name Darren used to dump. Is it too big-headed to have the start of my bio on my uh, thing? I am a being of sensual potentiality. <laughs> With critical mass. <laughs> yeah. Witness the event horizon of my black hole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that calmed not only the the real world, real space, but it, it calmed the warp as well. It stopped the warp kind of invading reality. The webway was largely unaffected. There may have been some aspects of it. Well, I say largely unaffected. Around the what became the Eye of Terror, which is this region of space, which is where the Eldar homeworlds originally, uh, 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 in fact, it's where the Eldar homeworlds still are, but these are demon worlds now. That's a breach of pure warp energy into the real world. And so it is verboten. You cannot go. Well, you shouldn't go there. People do go there because they're knobs. Uh, and Strongly <laughs> advise that you do not go there. There is a travel advisory for the Eye of Terror. <laughs> Please check gov.uk.com for the current travel restrictions. World Wide Web. <laughs> but because the real space was now relatively calm, the Emperor could put his great crusade into action. And this is where expeditionary fleets would head out into the galaxy to uh, reconnect with... Uh, planets for which they had information, but also to rediscover new new planets or, um, yeah, rediscover new planets. And these were planets that humanity had populated. Uh, populated? Is that the right term? Not populated. Um, populated. Yeah. Well, they, they, they had, the, the humanity had spread out to these planets, but then contact was, with them was lost. Is that right? Yes. For the vast majority, yes, but they were also... They had all the old star charts. So there was lots of planets that hadn't been populated or planets that were described as too dangerous or were part of another uh, race's empire. But the emperor had now had the manpower and the technology to get out there into the stars and uh, just hit. steamroller everything. It's really the manifest destiny of humanity. That's what he was enacting. So I, I touched on the technology there. He had, in part, as part of his solar reconquest, taken control of Mars, which is where the uh, what was referred to as the Mechanicum. These were the uh, the high priests of technology. So it's a, a planet of cyborgs creating other cyborgs and could mass produce anything. So they had lots of kind of STCs, if you'll recall, the, these mm. kind of uh, mm. blueprint uh, style factories that could produce anything that the emperor would need. Ultimately, this led to, you know, the expanding area of influence of the emperor simply became too unwieldy, even for him. We're talking about 4,300 different expeditionary fleets made up primarily of uh, human troops, but also elements from uh, space marine legions. These legions numbered roughly 100,000 plus. The ultramarines, there's uh, notes that you can see where ultramarines have had up to half a billion 
troops, half a billion space marines. Blimey. Wow. So they were able to conquer enormous areas uh, of space, which led them into conflict with all of the classic uh, Warhammer races of the time. So you're looking at Eldar, you're looking at Orcs, end of list. Uh, you're then <laughs> moving... <laughs> but also the more esoteric alien races uh, together with uh, rebellious humans or intransigent human cultures that want nothing to do with the Imperium at all. As the Emperor is beginning to kind of sense that these things are a bit too big for him to control personally, he taps his kind of uh, administrator in charge, this guy called Malkador the Sigilite, or Sigilite, who was the kind of bureaucratic doyen of the Imperium and could, at a moment's notice, enact effectively exterminatus on a planet or uh, steer a primarch in a certain direction. So as this kind of uh, administrative influence uh, became felt within the Great Crusade, you start seeing the, the legions start to rebel. Now, as this crusade goes forward, they rediscover the primarchs. The Primarchs are acting like a little psychic beacon, so the Emperor, when they're close enough, are able to send a fleet to go in contact, uh, the, get in contact with the Primarch. And it's always the Emperor who does this. The Emperor is the one who reconnects with the sons. And the very first one he reconnected with was Horus, of the Horus Heresy fame. Dad? Dad? It's been a thousand years. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, son. <laughs> you, can't just, you can't just turn him out of the blue. I've got a life now. Do you know how many baseball games you missed? <laughs> Space baseball. Space ball. Space ball. Space ball. So, uh, Lord Helmet. So as each Primarch is rediscovered, uh, they're put in charge of their Space Marine Legion. You know, Horus is put in charge of his Legion, which was named at the time the Luna Wolves. <laughs> the Looney Wolves. They must have had the piss taken out of them. By the other the Luna. <laughs> Luna. Call them the Looney Wolves. Not the Looney Wolves. <laughs> Shut up, Jeff. There's <laughs> <laughs> quite a lot to put on somebody when you first, you know, re a lot to put on a child when you're reconnecting as a father. So, yeah, sorry about the last thousand years. I've been I've been caught up with other, some other <laughs> stuff. But now that I'm here, I just wanted you to know, one, I love you cynically. <laughs> Two, you're actually a superhuman... And three, here is a legion of 100,000 plus other superhumans, which you now have to take control over. Any questions? Sorry, have you envisaged that it's like an emo teen is put in charge of <laughs> <laughs> legions? Like, he was just mincing around on his planet, minding his own business, and then suddenly a spaceship arrived with his father. <laughs> Dad, I'm listening to my music! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're so embarrassing. <laughs> Surely, like, the chances are, so there were how many Primarchs got scattered around the galaxy? Uh, common Wisdom says 20. 20, yeah. I mean, uh, there's going to be uh, situations where some of the Primarchs were adopted by some, you know, do-gooders, liberals, or something like that, some really humble people yep. or something like that. There's going to be a mixed bag, aren't there? So you're going to get, like, the real bratty, middle-class, self-entitled <laughs> Primarchs. You're going to get, like... <laughs> well, I mean, if listeners aren't already familiar with my catchphrase, 100%. You, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean... 
as each Primarch is rediscovered, what's clear is they are destined for greatness because each of them is now leading the planet. They are in charge, either uh, tyrannically or you know democratically or within whatever the political reality of each culture is. What do you think the Emperor's reaction would have been if he'd arrived on one planet to find his Primarch and his Primarch was just a total loser? Like he just wasn't, he wasn't leading the planet at all. Like he was like, a, you know, you know, your other nineteen brothers have achieved so much. Me and, me and yeah. your mother don't know why you just can't get Lionel a job. Changed his name. <laughs> well, I do want to. I'll touch on two other primarchs, and then we'll, we'll close out the Great Crusade. One is there sort of was a loser primarch uh, who's referred awesome. to as. He's Lorgar. He's he's my favorite, uh, but he's he's a loser insofar as he is uh, devoutly religious, and the emperor, as we've touched on, is none of that shit. So he's con- right, he, yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. almost eternally disappointed, and so I, I get right. the impression who's he the who's he the primarch of the word bearers. So I get the impression ah. that anytime there's like a call or a missive, that the emperor sighs before he hits received the call. <laughs> like, oh, God, yeah. what's he doing now? Another, um, another good one is a uh, Conrad Kurz, who is the referred to as the Night Haunter. He is evil Batman. That's what he is. Amazing. That's who his character Amazing. is uh, on the planet. Cool. Uh, that he's- Batman! <laughs> uh, for listeners, the, the most I have ever seen Dar laugh was when we were playing Cards Against Humanity a few years ago, and one of the answers was just Batman exclamation mark. I have never seen a man dismantle so quickly. <laughs> it's because the question was, <laughs> do you remember that time we set blank on fire, comma, that was crazy? <laughs> And it just, I, I couldn't breathe. My answer was Batman. I literally couldn't breathe. <laughs> oh, Alfred, so Alfred, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so these Primarchs are molded by the cultures of the planets that they're on, then reframe the legions. They keep the basic structure, but they tweak it towards the uh, kind of ideas and ideals of warfare on the planet they were raised on. Using Lorgar as an example, they have a, a set of troops uh, called the Ashen Circle. And what these guys do is they race it whenever there is a battle. They race into where any to a library or any kind of education or educational institute and burn it to the ground. So they're... <laughs> Uh, iconoclasts in a way of they are wiping out the culture and teachings of their enemies. So he has now, uh, because he's in charge of Space Marine Legion, he has jump-packed heavily armored troops with uh, chain axes and uh, flamethrowers that race in and uh, decimate areas of learning and culture. And also any kind of, you know, celebrity in quotes that uh, manifest the values of their enemy. That's so cool. So whilst the others are doing the donkey work of battling other savage enemies, these guys are just burning books. Yeah. 
That's yeah. that's what yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. cool. It's like psychological warfare. But where the legions before they were reconnected with their Primarch, kind of beige in character, like they hadn't been kind of formed. Uh, very much so, yes. If you change the armor color of a given legion to another legion, you by and large you could not tell the difference. There were cultural differences because the legions that were raised on Terra each legion was raised from a specific region. Had a Scouse accent. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're right. The Brummy Space Marines. <laughs> oh, no, Road no. Mice. <laughs> yeah, from Dudley. <laughs> just, just off to war. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, I, I like <laughs> thinking of the Angry Welch Legion. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh. I'm not even going to attempt the accent. I'm just bad <laughs> at accents. <laughs> My name's Evans from Aberystwyth. <laughs> Let's go burn some. <laughs> so as the Great Crusade grinds on, there's a couple of incidents that start building up uh, in terms of resentment of the Legion. First of all, the word bearers are ch- officially chastised by the Emperor. So this is Lorgar's religious legions because they were progressing far slower than everyone else. And the reason was, because at the time they were referred to as the Imperial Heralds, that was their original name, every time they took over, they brought a planet into compliance with the Imperial Truth, they would build churches to the Emperor, cathedrals to the Emperor. So everything took a lot longer, because they were instilling the kind of religious faith in the Emperor largely against the emperor's will the emperor through the ultramarine legion destroyed the jewel in the crown which is this city called monarchia absolutely decimated it the populace of monarchia were able to get a distress signal out and the entire word bearers legion arrives and is forced into a penitent kind of stance by the emperor you know a Lorgar is rebelling as much as he can. He's arguing his case. And eventually the ultramarine Primarch Robuti Guliman, known throughout fandom as Robot Girlyman, punched <laughs> Lorgar, knocked him to the ground. And there was a great enmity then. And Lorgar lost faith in the Emperor and then went on a pilgrimage uh, throughout the universe and found beings that were all too eager to uh, have his worship. And that really was the death knell for the ideals of the Great Crusade. Mr. Chris? Just trying to get my head around this, This what's happening in the moment. So Primarchs got pinched and dispersed all over the galaxy. Many hundreds, thousands of years later, the Emperor well, went... A couple of decades later. A couple of decades later, <laughs> is what I said. Potato, potato. Went to try and find and rekindle contact with his Primarchs again. Yes. As part of the Great Crusade, yeah. As part of the Great in order to kind of gather them back and we go, hey, I'm back, come and join my little party again, be on my exactly side, it's all right, good. Yeah. But the, um, he he didn't necessarily, in terms of the, um, sorry, Lorgar, who was the head of which word Originally the Imperial Heralds, but became the word bearers, yeah. Okay. So, but he was an example of, if they didn't make the cut, the Emperor would happily just cut that tie You'd be like, you are just too much trouble. You're not develop- You're not as progressive as the other guys. You're not developing as fast. You're just you're slowing us down. So I'm going to destroy yeah, you. It was it was the emperor's equivalent. It was the way the emperor was able to express, "I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed." 
Yeah, he didn't destroy yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. He just was like, do better. They, I mean, they they were shamed in front of the Ultramarines, which sure. kindled yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, like a, a millennia of hatred against the forces of uh, the Ultramarines. So, 19 of the 20 Primarchs and their legions of troops were joined the Emperor again. One of them, the 20th, Lorgar and his cronies, shamed. Shamed, yeah. Learn, and then... They were still part of the Great Crusade. They were still conquering things. Okay. Not as not as much as they could. It was real kind of... Yeah, it was real soul-searching that they yeah, were going yeah. on. Uh, okay, okay. Until okay. they found yeah. beings that would value their allegiance, and then they merely pretended to be faithful to the Emperor. So that was the first one. Actually, no, that was the third legion that was lost to the emperor. There are quite famously legions number two and 11 are unnamed in any lore, in any story coming out of Games Workshop. The Primarchs are unnamed because they were chastised and destroyed. And they're... Mm, right. The Primarchs are unnamed. Okay. They are unnamed. They're, they're, their names have been st- struck from any record within the Imperium on the order of the emperor. Mm. So did okay. he, during the kind of uh, the Great Crusade, found these Primarchs to an eleven on planets and was like, actually, do you know what? You're you're not the one. You're, maybe they were corrupted or something. Yeah, they, I think they performed some egregious action uh, worse than having faith in your father as God and were thus destroyed. One legion was completely wiped out by the Space Wolves. It seemingly the Space Wolves were created with a vision to be able to keep all the other legions in line. They were the hammer. The Primarch seems to have been either fled or killed. It's unclear. But the actual troops anecdotally were absorbed into the Ultramarines Legion, which is why the Ultramarines Legion is so, so much larger than any other legion. They have effectively two legions worth of troops. So those two Primarchs, they were reunited with their legion before they were ultimately destroyed by the Emperor. Anecdotally, yes. Right. Yeah. Interesting. What do you think they did? What is so egregious? Cat sodomy. <laughs> I mean, that's right up there. I mean, that's what you said. Sounds legit. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the cat said to you. <laughs> In the Horus Heresy novels, there is a scene, uh, a kind of vision quest scene that Horus goes on, which kind of overlaps with one that Argal Tal goes on as well, who's a word bearer's uh, legionnaire. It deals with kind of a time skip where Horus is able to reach into the uh, incubation chamber of one of the Primarchs and crush its heart. So anecdotally, one of them was killed before they were dispersed amongst the uh, universe, but that's a vision provided by chaos, and chaos was working towards corruption. So it, it, it you have to assume it was a lie, yeah. Right, right, right. So there is a kind of, the, the, the tipping point really in relations between the Primarchs is the, uh, the victory at Ulanor, which is this enormous campaign against the orcs where Horus uh, himself conquers uh, and finally breaks the back of the orc race. 
uh, or so they thought. Um, and so an entire continent is planed flat to be a parade ground, which I love the idea of, the, like, uh, sanders and planes the size of you know cities kind of moving over <laughs> grinding things out where does the waste go well, <laughs> yeah. the offcuts. just into the sea yeah <laughs> they, they use the mountains to fill the crevasses yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at that stage horus is declared the war master he is the kind of general in charge of the great crusade the emperor is retiring back to terra and day-to-day -day management of the Great Crusade is handed over to Malkador, the Sigilite. This causes huge consternation uh, amongst the Primarchs, who have always had their father as part of their kind of crusade. And the appointment of Malkador and his kind of eternal bureaucracy begins to give them an insight that, much like the Thunder Warriors, they might not be in the position of, uh, you know, existing, let alone ruling the uh, Imperium of Man on behalf of their dad. So we're seeing a repetition of the Emperor's methods writ large across the galaxy. And that really starts to fuck up some uh, relationships between the Primarchs and the Emperor and between the Primarchs and other Primarchs. Well, who's this guy who got handed administrative authority? This is Malkador the Sigilite. He is the kind of administrative second in command. Yeah. And so that really then primes the stage for the Horus heresy, for the actual civil war within the Imperium of Man, which we will cover in our next episode. Oh, nice. Amazing. So what do you think, lads? I have. Yeah, Primarchs. <laughs> you told me that a previous recording was going to blow my mind i would like to correct you that blew my mind <laughs> i mean as i said at the start there's holes in that you can drive a truck through but it gives listeners who are unfamiliar with the setting a solid gist a solid foundation for which we can well, build chris up. is unfamiliar with the saying do you now have a solid understanding do you have a gist? I, I have Darren's gist. I've got Darren's gist well, I wonder where inside. That went. And <laughs> so the at which point in time era was the Primarchs developed and then subsequently scattered across the universe? What year? What year? You're looking at the mid to late 30th millennium. So such and such year, okay. say the year 500 in the 29th millennium. So you're you're gotcha. talking so about many years from today. Yes. Yeah. In yeah, the future. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So yeah. What's sure, that? Sure. Twenty six thousand years from now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I think you did. I question. You said um, the emperor cruised around the galaxy to find more knowledge um, and whatnot. And um, you said you were going to explain how he travelled there, but I did I miss the that? The webway. He, he, used, the web yeah, he used the webway web yeah, to get it. to the golden planets. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it was the golden throne that he found. Did you say he found it? Found it in Asia. Well, this is the thing. The lore is really unclear as to whether it, it is in Asia, but whether he made it, he rediscovered something that was built earlier, or just found something that was completely alien, tied to the concept of the webway, which means it may have been old one technology. Ah, uh, so is the is the golden throne an item that because you say you f you found it in Asia, but obviously in the 
current day, the Golden Throne is what he's entombed in. Yeah, but 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 that's in Asia. The, Him- oh, the Himalayas right, okay. is in oh, Asia. Of course yeah. it is. Of course it is. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you mean. Is the gold? What I'm saying is, is the Golden Throne as an access point to the webway a location or an item? Uh, it, it, Can it be moved? It is both. It cannot be moved. Right. There is one other example of that type of technology. Think of it as an emplacement. So it, right. it's okay. You know, okay. It was purpose, like Stonehenge. It was purposefully put there. Exactly right. Uh, and there's one other example of uh, something similar. It's called dark glass. That's the name of it, and it seems to serve the same purpose on a on a you know on a on a different planet. Uh, but it seems to serve as a doorway, an access point to the webway. And when the emperor withdrew back from Terra, when he handed over control of the Great Crusade to Horus, it was to work on the project, to work on the webway project. Because ultimately what he wanted to be able to do is get out amongst the stars without using the warp at all. It's like a grander version of the HS2 project, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It'll never get finished. Massively no. over budget. <laughs> right. For our non-UK listeners, that is a high-speed line planned from where is it? From London to Birmingham. Birmingham to Brumley. Used to bring all the space marines. That I don't know where that accent was going. <laughs> it's a Scottish Brummie accent. <laughs> right. Thoughts, questions. Looking forward to the heresy next episode. Yeah, oh, man, I've heard so much about it. I am going to be so interested to see how you surmise. Is it just one episode on the heresy for this intro? Two. Okay, cool. We're doing All two right. episodes. But even then, I mean, we're looking. You're looking at condensing some fifty odd books of the heresy series down into two, roughly hour and a half podcast episodes. Mate, That's we good. could do a twenty eight episode introduction to the Horus Heresy and not cover. I just want one fifth it. of the Horus Heresy. I'm just like <laughs> no. No. Not allowed. <laughs> My brain cannot take it. Uh, shall I wrap up? No. Yes. Yeah. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode and want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lore 40k and sign up today for as little as three pounds. This will also give you access to our Discord server so you can come and tell us exactly what you think of Kral. Hey, we'll be back again soon displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, cheerio. Bye. Now I think of it, it might actually have been Lorgar who got the vision and not Horus. Anyway, toodaloo. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs>